beautiful rendition of what child is this. Certainly we are here today to celebrate this child, this Savior who has come for us. Uh, let me invite you to open the scriptures with me this morning to the book of Psalms, near the center of God's Word, in Psalm 96 today. If you don't have a copy of the scriptures with you, there should be one near you uh, on a pew back, and you can find this text on page 483. It's good to all be together this morning. It's not often that we have uh, one service, that we're all together in one service, but it's good to look around and uh, to be close to each other and to enjoy a time of, of worship together. So uh, let's challenge each other today to speak to someone that perhaps we don't know or don't know very well and uh, do a bit more. Certainly we wish them a Merry Christmas, but do a bit more than that. Get to know them uh, on another level. Well, today is uh, December 23rd. The 25th is two days away. Christmas is is coming. Are you ready? Judging by the traffic on 280 over the last few days, I have my doubts. Now, this time of year can be a bit stressful, can it? Reminded of that as the Stouts uh, shared at reading earlier with the chaotic events that led up to Christ's birth and the chaos of this world that often surrounds us, always surrounds us, but in another way at times during this season of the year. Uh, this time can be jam-packed uh, with hostings and, and gatherings with gift exchanges and holiday meals. And some of you probably feel like you're drowning and cooking and cleaning and credit card charges. But by being here, we're in the right place. Gathered together with followers of Jesus Christ to worship Him, to worship the God who saves us. You see, in the midst of holiday hustle and bustle, we're invited, no, we're commanded to celebrate, to praise, to sing, to worship. So let's hear the call to worship from God's Word today. Psalm 96. Let me invite you to join me standing for the reading of God's Word. Let's hear the Word of the Lord. Psalm 96, beginning in verse 1. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, praise His name, proclaim His salvation day after day. Declare His glory among the nations, His marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before Him. Strength and glory are in His sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, all you families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Bring an offering and come into His courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of His holiness. Tremble before Him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens rejoice, let the earth be glad, let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Let all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Let all creation rejoice before the Lord, for He comes. He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the, the world in righteousness and the peoples 
and his faithfulness. Let's bow and pray together. Father, we have come this morning to hear from you, to worship you, to exalt your name. Lord, guide us in continuing to do so. Speak to us now by the presence and power of your spirit, through the reading, through the preaching of your word. May you be glorified. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Singing for Christmas. You know, if we can't find reason to sing uh, at Christmas, uh, perhaps we've forgotten the goodness of the Christ story. It may require some prioritizing or some perspectivizing, but we're called to praise. We're called to praise. Everyone should praise the Lord for His salvation and supremacy. Everyone, everyone should praise the Lord for His salvation and His supremacy. The Lord God is our source of salvation. It comes from Him. It comes from no other place. It comes from the Lord. And He is the Supreme One. The One who reigns on high. Uh, the One who is incomparable. The One who is more important than anyone else. In this text, this ancient song portrays the privilege of Israelite worship in God's sanctuary. We don't know when it was written, but we know it was written for worship. We know that it was written for temple worship. It was written uh, for God's people to come and to utilize and worship uh, at the place where God chose to dwell among His people. It calls believers to celebrate His identity and His action. Who He is and what He does. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. You see, the instruction isn't to sing, simply to be singing, but to sing to Yahweh, to sing to the Lord, the God who is and the God who entered into covenant relationship with a people, with his people. The original call was to Israel, the descendants of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, whom God had delivered from bondage. But in verses 1, again in verse 7, again in verse 10, the call resounds to the nations. That is, all peoples of the earth. The call for all. Jews and Gentiles alike to come to faith in the only God. Everyone should praise the Lord for His salvation and His supremacy. We sing because He saves. As we sing, we we come together and we sing because the one we are singing to saves. He is a saving God. You see, this is more than Buddy the Elf stuff. Many of you know the, the movie, Will Ferrell and the movie Elf, a good, good movie, a movie where, where Buddy is singing because he's happy. He sings because he's happy, makes up songs because he's happy, he's, he's giddy like a child. And certainly there's some sort of correlation, but this is more than that. This is a singing that flows out of an experience, that flows out of a rescuing experience because something has happened and we are the beneficiaries of it. We sing because He saves. And singing a new song doesn't necessarily mean a new composition, but it can mean singing in response to a new, fresh experience of God's saving grace. Sing to the Lord. Praise His name. Proclaim His salvation day after day. Declare His glory among the nations. His marvelous deeds among all peoples. You see, all believers are called to sing. To praise, to proclaim, 
to declare what God has done so as to enrich his reputation in the world. That's what this means. To declare his glory, to enrich God's reputation in the world. To, to describe his unparalleled importance. See, the most, most of the world doesn't have the, the right picture of God. For they don't know God. What are you doing about it? What am I doing about it? How are we declaring the glory of God in the world? He has done extraordinary things for us. And so we gather and we sing because He saves. We sing because He saves and we submit because He reigns. We submit because He reigns. Verse 4, He is to be feared above all gods. You see, the Lord God, the one who called Abraham, the one who granted Joseph favor in Egypt, the one to whom the suffering Job cried out uh, for help, the one who spoke to Moses in the burning bush, the one who parted the Red Sea, the one who dwelled in the wilderness tabernacle, the one whom uh, the Moabitess Ruth joined Naomi to worship, the one who granted David success against the giant Goliath, the one who set Jeremiah apart to prophesy before he was even born, the one who caused John the Baptist to leap in his mother's womb. The one who sent his son in the fullness of time. The one who grew up and never sinned and who took our sin upon his shoulders. The one who rose triumphantly from the dead. The one who has promised to return. This one reigns above all creatures, great and small. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the nations are idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before Him. Strength and glory are in His sanctuary, because that is where He is. Splendor, glory, majesty, honor. These things go with Him wherever He goes. Lord God made the very heavens where these idols, uh, literally nothings. That would be an appropriate Uh, translation of this word here for idols, nothings or worthless things. The Lord God made the very heavens where these nothings were believed to reside. He is the creator. And because he alone created, the Lord God is infinitely greater than any other person or object we may be tempted to worship. Friends, that's because he is incomparable. Because He is the Supreme One who saves, all are invited, called to join the redeemed. Join the redeemed. To join the redeemed is to become one of His. To become one of His people. Those who worship Him alone receive His mercy, His undeserved kindness and favor, His mercy that saves, that delivers, that rescues. This is why we sing. Because we've been saved. Hark, the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn King. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners reconciled. Joyful all ye nations rise. Join the triumph of the skies. With angelic hosts proclaim. Christ is born in Bethlehem. Friends, God and sinners reconciled. That's salvation. Joyful, all ye nations rise. That's invitation. The saved seem because they've been saved by the King. Thus they invite the world to join the redeemed. They call upon 
We call upon everyone to submit to the Lord. Everyone should submit to the Lord, giving Him glory. Scriptures call us in that way. Everyone should submit to Him, should submit to the Lord, the the only God, giving Him glory. This is not just something we do. Friends, this is not a Meadowbrook thing. This is something that has taken place, is taking place, will take place today all across the earth. People who know and follow the God who saves will submit to Him and give Him glory. All are invited to. That's the inclusive side of the gospel. And yet all are commanded to. That's the exclusive side of the gospel. There is no one else. There is no other plan of salvation because there is no other real God. The Lord God stands apart. He stands above and alone. Thus, we must submit to Him. He is the divine King. So we bow down and surrender and, and we worship Him. To give God glory means to worship Him. It is to exalt Him. Uh, to worship Him by declaring who He is. That's what it means by ascribe to the Lord. Acknowledge who He is. His splendor, His majesty, His power. This is a big part of what we do when we sing and we pray, isn't it? We come together. We're telling God what we believe about Him. Who He is and what He's done. The worship here also describes an offering. Verse 8, bring an offering and come into His courts. And furthermore, it requires preparation. Verse 9 could be translated, worship the Lord in holy attire. In holy attire, which would suggest a reference to the ritually clean garments worn by the priests as they enter the tabernacle area to facilitate sacrifices on behalf of the people. In other words, uh, come properly prepared to enter the Lord's presence. Come prepared to encounter Him. Come prepared to, to worship Him. What's incredible here is that though this text is located right in the heart of the Hebrew Scriptures, the Old Testament, the Jewish Holy Scriptures, the call here is for the Gentiles to come into the courts, for for the nations to come on, come join us, come into the temple courts and worship Yahweh, our God, the God of Israel. Ascribe to the Lord, verse 8, all you families of nations. Verse 8, bring an offering and Come into his courts. Verse 9, tremble before him all the earth. In other words, missions and evangelism are not simply some New Testament theme. Israel was to be a light to the nations of the earth. They were called and set apart to walk with God, to know him, to to be a, a proclamation, to be an example to the rest of the world of the greatness of God and to come to know and to follow him, to be part of his multi-ethnic people. Of course, this is spurred on. It's catapulted. It's focused through the ministry and mission of Jesus Christ, through the commission of the disciples, through the establishment of the church that follows. All people, Jews and Gentiles alike, are invited to hear and respond, to worship the Christ, Yahweh incarnate, to join His church, the universal church described in Revelation chapter 7, verse 9, as a great multitude. A great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language. It was from all across the earth. From the families of the earth. That's who they are. That's who they'll be. What are they doing? John says in that 
passage, he says they're standing before the throne and before the Lamb. That is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. They are before the divine King. They are in His presence for worship. He says they were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. In other words, they are in holy attire. They're prepared. They are where they belong. Verse 10, and they cried out in a loud voice. This is of Revelation chapter 7. Salvation belongs to our God. Sounds like Psalm 96. Who sits on the throne. The source of salvation. The one who is supreme and to the Lamb. In other words, the true church will do what the Israelite community did. As they sang. As they prayed. As they obeyed Psalm 96. People of God from every nation and tribe and people and language will praise the Lord for His provision and His supremacy. They will sing because He saves and submit because He reigns. They will give Him eternal glory. Will you join them? Friend, will you join them? Will you be part of the great company of the redeemed? multi-ethnic people from every nation, tribe, people, and language who have been saved by the grace of God, who will forever surround Him and worship Him and find glory and delight in His presence. Well, tomorrow, as you heard earlier, we're going to have candlelight services right here, 4 o'clock, 6 o'clock. It's going to be a special time. I hope you'll come. There'll be other churches having candlelight services too all across the city because this is a significant time of year. Come together and Remember the Savior who has come. I hope you'll make plans to be at one of those services tomorrow to celebrate the birth of the Savior, to exalt His name, to reflect and to consider who He is and what He's done. Special times, the room is lit up by candlelight and nothing else. As much as I hope you'll come to a candlelight service tomorrow, though, I hope even more so, infinitely more so, that you will come and join the company of the redeemed around the throne room of heaven and worship the Lamb of God forever and ever and ever. There will be no candlelight in heaven. Not in the way that we have here, for the Scriptures say the glory of God will light the place up. Will you be there? Will you join them? Will you join this group Past, present, and future saved by the grace of God alone. Will you join the church? Join the church. Join the church. That's who who will be there. Join the church. By that, I'm, I'm not talking about Meadowbrook Baptist Church, although local church membership is biblical and important and something we should pursue, something we should value and, and run toward. But I, I'm talking here about the big C church, the, the true and universal church that includes followers of Jesus Christ from Birmingham and Anniston, from Nashville and Pakistan, from Singapore and Uzbekistan, from Beijing and New York City, from St. Louis and Jerusalem, from Beijing and, and, and Moscow and Bethlehem, from Toronto to San Antonio. I think you get the point. Uh, from people, uh, including people from Meadowbrook and Brook Highland and Greystone and uh, Inverness Cliffs. You, you get the picture. The church of the one and only living God, the God who saves in Jesus Christ and the God who reigns now and forever. The Bible instructs us to say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Say among the nations, the, the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Because this text moves toward a picture, verses 10 and following, of, of all creation, 
worshiping the Lord. All creation should rejoice because the Lord is coming to make everything right. All creation. Rejoicing because the Lord is coming. He's coming to make everything everything right. Hear the description again. See the picture of creation thriving and flourishing under the coming reign of God. Verse 11. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea resound and all that's in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Let all the trees of the forest uh, sing for joy. Sounds like uh, Chronicles of Narnia or something. This beautiful picture of, of creation thriving. Rejoicing before the Lord. Let all creation, verse 13, rejoice before the Lord for He comes. He comes. It's repeated for emphasis. Expressing certainty. He comes. He, he, he is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness or in the right way, making right decisions always in the people's in His faithfulness. In other words, remembering His promises and being faithful to them. See, here's the deal. The King has come. He has come. Christ has come. God has come to us. Christ Jesus has come. He has come saving and redeeming and restoring. This is what we celebrate this time of year, but the picture described here has not yet been realized. I don't have to convince you of that. The world is is not at peace. There is chaos in the world. It has not yet come to fruition. This picture has not, for this describes another day. This describes the great day of the Lord that is the return of King Jesus to judge the wicked and establish righteousness in his kingdom forever. The New Testament echoes this idea. Sin not only has affected us people, it's affected all of creation. That our sin has affected the rest of God's creation. Romans chapter 8, verse 22, Paul writes, he says, we know that the whole creation, all of it, The whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Because they know everything's not right. They're waiting restoration. They're waiting renewal. They're waiting new creation. Verse 23, he says, not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit. In other words, the first first generation of folks to to know and to follow Christ. We, We groan inwardly as we wait eagerly For our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope, we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. So today, Christ followers gather and they celebrate. We celebrate. We celebrate the birth of a Savior. We celebrate a Messiah who has come. And we celebrate by also anticipating. Because we know He's faithful. We anticipate His soon return. We worship as we wait. We sing as we hope. We practice patience as we proclaim the glory of God, the God who saves. And we call upon the world to join us. We invite them. We urge them. To know and worship the coming Lord. See, the world needs to worship the Lord who is coming. The one who has come, the one who will come again. The world must worship the coming Lord who creates, reigns, judges, and saves. The world must worship, this one must worship the coming Lord who creates, reigns, judges, and saves. He's the subject of this psalm. He is the subject of 
Psalm 96. He is the one who creates for the Lord God made the heavens. He is the one who reigns. He is seated on the throne. He is to be feared above all gods. He is the one who judges. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. And he's the one who saves. Proclaim his salvation. Day after day. And friends, he is the Christ. He is our creator. He is the judge. He is our savior and the one who reigns forever. Our savior is the king of all kings. The one to be feared above all gods. The splendid and majestic one whose second coming. John described this way in Revelation chapter 19. He said, I saw heaven standing open and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. That's the Christ. Always faithful. The one who is more true than anything else. The one who embodies truth. The source of all truth. With justice he judges. He judges in the right way and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire. He sees everything. He knows all. And on his head are many crowns. He is the king. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He's dressed in a robe dipped in blood. And his name is the word of God. Verse 14, the armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Friends, that's the church. Those are the people of God who've been washed in the blood of the Lamb, who've been given the purity of Jesus Christ himself. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. You see, Christ came in humility. He came once in lowly condition. He came and conceived in the Virgin Mary, the obscure little place of Nazareth. It was born in Bethlehem, laid in a a manger, in a stable, because there was no room for him in the inn. Came, he humbled himself, the Son of God humbled himself and took on human flesh and ultimately gave his life away in the most humiliating way, giving his life away on, on the cross. And yet He will come again. He will come again to judge. He will come again to make everything right. And those who turn to Him in faith before He comes again will stand with Him in victory. Those who know and serve Him now will know and serve Him forever in His perfect kingdom. And thus they sing to Him here and now. We can sing here and now. Because He has saved us. And because we know He's coming again, we have a future hope. Believers rejoice here and now, for they have spiritual peace. We have spiritual peace on earth, and we know that we will enjoy eternal peace with God in heaven. Therefore, we gladly respond to the psalmist's call. For we have hope. So despite hurt, despite suffering, despite grieving... Despite sickness, despite marital crisis and financial crisis and rebellious children and all of these things that are very real and ongoing effects, consequences of sin and living in a sin-filled world, despite these things, we can sing to the Lord a new song because we have hope. We sing to the Lord for we know the Lord. Do you know the Lord? 
Do you know the God who's come to us? Can you join those singing? Can you join those singing? Join those singing. Are you singing this Christmas? Don't, don't forget to sing this Christmas. You too can sing this Christmas. Friend, you can sing this Christmas for Christ has come. He has come for you. And He will come again. And Father in heaven, we look forward to the day. We anticipate the day. Lord, we know we only see and understand in part now. We only see you as if you were a reflection in a mirror dimly now. Lord, we know then we will see you face to face. We will be allowed to enter into your, your presence, your glory, because you have washed us clean. Father, we thank you for being a merciful God, compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Lord, you have been so kind to us. Lord, where we are in error, convict us of a wrong that we might confess our sin and walk closely with you. And Father, may we celebrate King Jesus this Christmas. May we sing to him. May we worship him. May we respond now in a way that glorifies his name. Be glorified in us. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.